you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it's always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. some regards to talk about the blessed life again. I know on Sunday that I said that I tried that to be the last message on the series. But as I've just faced this week and received emails and phone calls and just different things, I realized that there's another message that needs to be preached on this series. And I want to call it the blessed life aftermath. The blessed life aftermath. And you may say at first, that's kind of strange, but I want to talk about the aftermath. Why? Because, as I said, for the entire month of August now, we have talked about the blessed life. A life that we know and believe God wants each one of us, his children, to live in. You see, God doesn't get the glory when we struggle and suffer. Come on, let's just be honest. God, there's no glory in gloom, doom and despair and misery and all these things. That's never God's design and it's never been and never will be God's purpose for our lives. He wants to see his children, that's each one of us, who have confessed that he's our Lord and Saviour, that makes us a child of God according to the Word of God. He wants to see his children blessed, full, satisfied, happy, contented, provided for and taken care of. God wants to see that. But he also knows this. God also knows this, that it's a choice that every one of us has to make. God wants us to be blessed, but he doesn't force that blessing upon us. That blessing or the choice of receiving the blessing falls on the lap or in the lap of every one of us. The choice is, will we put him first? Will we trust him? Will we prove him to be able in every one of our lives? As I've looked around me today, there are a lot of people today that are looking to other people to make decisions for them. Tell me what to do. Tell me, Pastor, what do you think I need to do? The reality is maybe not what I think you need to do. The reality is what does God's Word say that you need to do? And a lot of people are going to a lot of sources and a lot of people, and I sometimes have realized this, that people are sometimes going to strategic people because of the answer and the response that they know they're going to receive. So really, when they're asking, they're asking that person that they know is going to validate what they're... Instead of, you know, I want to be around people that tell me the truth. I want to be around people that know God enough to tell me, you know what, if you're not doing right, let me slap you up the side of the head and let me point you back in the right direction. But you see, many people today, they're wanting others to make decisions for them. When in reality, there are just certain decisions in your life and in my life that I have to choose to make for myself. We must make the choice to believe God. We must make the choice to put Him first. We must make the choice to understand the fact that His Word says when we believe and when we put Him first, when we're good stewards with what He's given, He will redeem the rest. In other words, I can't pay your tithes for you and your family. 
Come on, there's decisions and things that we have to make. I can't save you. That's a choice and a decision that you must make. But yet we look to so many others to try and make it for us or we think as long as they're doing it, then I'm covered by that. I believe that we have taught this subject and presented to you what I would call the truths from God's Word. I don't believe we've manipulated the Scriptures to make it fit. I don't believe that we've taught you wrong. I believe that we've taught you principles, sound biblical principles, direct from the Word of God. And I know that as a result of hearing these principles, many of your lives have been totally changed. Why? Because you understood or you knew that you were supposed to tithe, but you never really understood why. You never really understand the implications of what was connected and involved and what it symbolized and what it meant. But as we've gone through this, you've understood it a little bit more. And through your understanding, there has now come a desire to honor God with that which he has given to you. I think a lot of you now have looked at your car that you used to hit and you used to hate and thank God for it because you realize, thank God, it's a blessing from you. I think some of you are looking at your jobs a little bit different because you were all upset and mad about it, but now you're realizing, thank God, at least I've got a job and God, it's a blessing from you. Because we won't move on many times to the next level till we can start praising him in the level that we're already at. Come on, do I hear an amen or an ouch? Help us, pastor. A lot of the reasons we don't grow in our life is because we haven't matured where we're at. We haven't learned the lessons that we need to learn right where we're at. And that's thankfulness. That's praising God. That's honoring God. So as we've taught these subjects, I believe a lot of you have not just got excited about it, but you've realized the importance and the desire to implement it into your life. You've understood the importance that it is to you and your family and to your future. But we've got to also understand this. That doesn't make the devil, Satan, our adversary, whatever you want to call him, when we get excited and apply principles like this, that does not make the devil very happy. Come on, let me say that one more time. He's not happy. He's not pleased when people of God begin to understand the fullness of God. Because when people of God begin to understand the fullness of God, they'll move into the blessing of God. Their lives will be changed and altered and transformed. And as a result, they'll go to places and do things that they never thought humanly possible. But they've released a supernatural power inside of them that is changing them. Look at this scripture from 2 Corinthians, or yes, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And verse 11, we should all probably know this scripture, but 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11 says these words, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not, I put in parentheses, to be. The Bible doesn't say that, but here's the thought. We are not to be ignorant, or we are not to be ignorant of the devices of Satan. How many agrees with that? It's time that we're no longer ignorant, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not to be ignorant of the devices of Satan. Now, don't shoot me down here or shout me down, because I understand that if you were to read this entire passage here, Paul is actually dealing with forgiveness. He's talking to them about forgiving those who have offended you. He's talking about when people offend you, it's easier to forgive those who ask for forgiveness, but he really says it's hard to forgive those that perhaps still want to slap you around and treat you completely wrong. But he's showing them here, and that is this, he's showing them in the realm of forgiveness that if they don't forgive as God requires them to do, what happens? 
Satan will take advantage of us. Can you keep that scripture up for me, please, Tammy? That's cool. Satan will take advantage of us. What does that mean? That Satan will use the state or the act or the, the action of rebellion in our lives because that's really what it's doing because if we're disobeying God's word, we're being rebellion. But Satan will use that act of not doing right or not being right that he will use that for his gain and purpose in every one of our lives. That's what it means that Satan's going to take advantage of us. Anyone ever been taken advantage by someone? It's not nice. That's what Satan wants to do. And he's looking for areas in our lives that he can take advantage of. Why? Because we know his purpose is steal, kill and that's it. Bottom line, nothing more, nothing less. Steal, kill and destroy. That's his purpose. He's looking to take the advantage of things in our life. What things in our life? The simple things that we want to hold on to. The things that we're not fully releasing to God. But what we need to realise too is the methods and the tactics and the means that Satan uses are the same across the board. So he's dealing, yes, with forgiveness here, but yet the same tactics that Satan uses in every realm or any situation that life may present to us, he wants to use those things for his advantage. He wants to use those to take advantage of our lives. So as we, you and I, get excited, as we get all pumped up, and we desire to put God, and we make that commitment to return back to God, that which is already His, that's the tithe. And as we make all those commitments, we've got to realize that Satan is looking for opportunities to take advantage of that. He's looking for opportunities to take advantage of that. And I don't think I really have to spell out to you how he desires to take advantage of that. Because all of a sudden things begin to happen that were unexpected. All hell breaks loose that you never even thought was going to happen. Come on, Satan starts playing because he wants to take advantage of those things to stop us from fully believing and trusting. He wants to steal away our joy of the moment. In other words, he wants to unleash every attack he can against you, your home, your possessions and everything you have. Listen to this. You've got to catch this. If you don't catch anything else I say tonight, this is a key point. Why does Satan want to unleash everything against you to try and take advantage, to steal, to take away from you? Here's why. Because he knows he cannot do anything to stop God's blessing in your life. Satan knows he cannot do anything to stop the blessing of God in your life. But he knows you can. Let me say that one more time. Satan knows he is powerless over your life, but he also knows that you have the ability to take complete power of choice over your life. He can't stop the blessings. At best, all he can do is hinder and frustrate. He cannot stop. But you and I, we can. I can stop the blessings of God in my life. I can do something greater than Satan can do over my life. I can stop the blessing of God in my life. Satan is powerless to stand against God's word. But when he begins to frustrate us and when he begins to cause us to doubt and ultimately what do we do? We begin to withdraw our faith. What happens? He succeeds in his cause. 
He can't stop us, but if he stops us from believing the word of God, it's over. He can't stop us from paying our tithes, but if we stop paying our tithes, we're the one that's withholding the blessing of God. Satan can't make us do anything that we don't choose to do ourselves. He can suggest, he can tempt, he can do all these things, but the bottom line is this, he cannot stop the word of God. But yet when we believe his lies, when we allow him to take advantage of us, and what's the next part of that verse? And we become ignorant. We're not to be ignorant to his devices. We've got to wake up and realize that he wants to take advantage of our lives, the commitment that we've made. How many times have we made that commitment? Oh, I'm going to give God everything. And it just seems like, wow, why did I make that commitment? Because life was easy before I made that. Satan wants to take advantage. But we cannot be. Come on, say that with me. I can't be ignorant of his devices. That's why Paul strongly urges us, don't be ignorant of the devices of Satan. Don't be ignorant of his vices. That word devices is like a vice. It's like a trap. You put something in a vice and you screw the handle, you squeeze it, you hold it into place. Don't be ignorant of the fact that Satan wants to limit the growth, the development, the movement, the momentum of your life. He wants to take life and squeeze everything out of you. He wants to take advantage of you. In other words, we must see the aftermath for what it is. Satan's attack to rob us from God's blessing. But let me also throw this important truth in there to every one of you too. And that is this, not everything's a demon and not everything's a devil. Come on, everyone's looking, oh, it's just the devil, the devil made me. You know what, there's a lot of things, but we've realized this, he's powerless over us, he can suggest, but we're the ones that act. So if we're saying the devil made me do something, we're really saying that we bought into his lie and we were the ones that chose to do it. Not everything has a demon, not everything is a devil. In other words, I think we give Satan a whole lot of help many times. And then we blame him for our wrongdoings. Come on, there's our involvement also. Come on, how many would say amen or ouch? It's not just always the devil. There's a lot of us involved too. But then there's the other side of it, and that is this. God can also use diverse situations to test our hearts. But one thing we realize this, if God tests us, it's because he's going to strengthen us and he's going to produce growth through that situation. God never tests us to destroy us. God tests us to strengthen us, to produce growth in our life. So therefore, we've got to realize that when we hear words such as the blessed life, when we line our life up with the word of God, we've got to realize that Satan wants to do everything he can to take advantage of us. We can't be ignorant of his devices. That means that when the attacks begin to come, and listen, I'm not preaching gloom, doom and despair. I just know how Satan plays. So when the attacks begin to come, we've got to wake up and realize, hold on a second, I cannot be ignorant to his devices. I know what he's trying to do because he's trying to hinder the blessing through me Why? by making me fail to believe and act upon the word of God and in doing so, he has stopped the blessings of God in my life. Again, not because he could do it, because I do it for him. So we've got to stand prepared for the attacks that will come all around us. We're not standing fearful and we're not standing afraid. You know what? I know that Satan's got my name and my number. I know that Satan would do everything and wants to do everything with his, his power to destroy me. But you know what? I don't lay awake at night fearful about it. 
Why? Because God's not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a soundness of mind. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Come on. We've got to realize that there's a truth, there's a power inside of us that we don't live fearful and we don't live afraid. Why? Because we've made a statement that we're going to trust God no matter what and realizing that he's able to bring us through no matter what may face our lives. I think Smith Wigglesworth said this, and I think it's a great statement. If he didn't say it, then someone else did. It's a good one. He said this, if you are not meeting the devil head on every day, that means you're walking beside him. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Because there's also another saying I've heard there, and that is this, different levels or higher levels, different devils. There's different struggles and things that we're facing in our lives. Now, I'm not preaching this tonight to discourage you, to say, oh man, I don't want that if that's going to happen. The reality is, I'm trying to encourage you tonight, and that is this, no matter what Satan throws against you, he cannot stop the blessings of God in your life. Come on, if you're a tither, he cannot stop the blessings of God. Come on, if you're life and you're saved, he cannot condemn your your soul to hell. Come on, you've got to understand this. But we cannot be ignorant and live life unprepared. A lot of pastors preach messages, throw their congregation out there and wonder why they fall flat on their face because they don't really prepare them for what's going to happen. Satan's goal is to steal God's blessings from our lives. That's what he wants to do. The greatest gift that God's given mankind is life. And thank God now Jesus came and died that we can have everlasting life. But the greatest gift that God ever gave mankind was life, breath, that he could breathe and live. What is Satan's goal? To steal the greatest gift that God has given, to steal life, to take life, to take the blessings from us. But he can only take that which we surrender and give. Did you ever remember reading these words? Did God really say that? Anyone ever remember in your Bible reading those words, slightly paraphrased, but yet the meaning is still the same. Can you remember hearing those words in the Word of God? Did God really say that? It's in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3, pretty much close to the very beginning of our Bible. It didn't take long for that old devil to show up. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 3, and I'm going to read verse 1 through 4, or actually through 5. And listen to what it says in Genesis 3, verse 1 through 5. It says this, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, God, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He's putting a question. Did God really say that? I mean, come on, what was it really that God said? He's beginning to question or he's beginning to confuse the situation. Let's read on. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat. Because you shall not eat it, nor you shall touch it, God says, lest you die. Verse 4. And the serpent, which of course is Satan, it's not a snake talking, it's the devil himself. Then the devil said to the woman, you're not going to die. You will not die. Verse 5, for God knows that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Notice what he says here. I've never seen this before till today. He says, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Here's the thought that I had when I read this today. Adam and Eve only knew what? Good. 
So Satan offered them something that they already had. But the truth of the matter is this. All he really offered them, therefore, was he couldn't give them good because they already had it. So all that Satan had to offer was what? Bottom line. All Satan had to offer to them was evil. How did he deceive them into buying into not the good, but the fact of the evil, because they already had the good. He began to input into Eve's mind seeds of doubt. He began to sow seeds of doubt, making her question the instruction that God had given her. Now, I want you to think about that in our lives, that when Satan comes in, he's trying to take advantage of us. We can't be ignorant. But what is he trying to do? He's not trying to give us good because only God can give us that. He's trying to give us evil, but yet he's trying to mix it up in a way to deceive us and make us question the fact of, did God's word really say that for my life? You and I have got to picture the place that Adam and Eve were in. I haven't got time enough tonight to explain it to you, but it was an absolutely incredible. Paradise is the greatest understatement that we could ever quote. This place that they lived in was absolutely magnificent. If you would read it, the Bible says that God created the world and then he made a garden. I mean, this wasn't just part of the world. This was something so special that God just took a little bit of extra time that he made the world and he made a garden, it says, and he put Adam right in the midst of that garden. It was something that was so beautifully created to meet every need that he thought man would ever need. But in the midst of all beauty, we know that God realized that man longed for a helpmate, a companion, and God gave him that. That's why we've got to realize our husbands and wives that we have, they are a gift of God. They are a gift from God for us. But in this garden, mankind was given everything. Everything that they could ever desire. Except one thing. Just one tree. Just one tree. And it wasn't like God gave them a room and there was the tree right in the middle that every day they would see that thing. That when they went to school they saw that tree. When they went, I mean, it wasn't like they had to go out of their way to find it because it was in the middle of the garden. It wasn't like something that I believe he set up on a hill so everywhere they were in the garden they could see that tree that it was staring at them, it was screaming at them. It's almost like a forest. In the midst of the forest, it was in a dense, probably, area. Something that was hidden, and it wasn't just open for view. And something that they were going to come in contact with every day. But Satan could not stand to leave them in that place. He wanted to mess up that place for them. Now, it doesn't really tell us how long it took for mankind to sin, but some people feel it took less than one week because after God created and rested, there is not a Sabbath day that is mentioned before Satan comes and tempts Adam and Eve. So some people believe it was less than six days, perhaps, that they were left alone in that beautiful garden before Satan came in and messed it up. You know, I don't know how long he took, but however long it was, you and I have got to know this important truth and that is that he's a thief. He's a thief that wants to take advantage of us. So we can't be ignorant of his devices. And something I realise about a thief is this. A thief doesn't wait for you to spend all your wealth and money before he comes. I mean, if he did that, then he wouldn't be a good thief because he'd be still broke. 
A thief, what? He is going to steal something and he wants to steal the most he can. Does everyone agree? He wants to steal the most he can from our lives. So as a thief, he makes them buy into a lie. And as a result of that lie, they fail to, notice this, obey God. It wasn't that they ate the fruit. The fact is they failed to obey God. We've been talking about the last few weeks about the fact that given our tithes and our offerings and being obedient to God, we've got to do that in obedience to God. Come on, we've been talking about obeying and being obedient to God. Are you with me? That's what we've been talking about. So what we see is this. They have failed to obey God and as a result, they have failed to keep God's word. But notice this, yet again. Satan could not take that away from them. Man had to surrender it. They had to eat of the fruit. Because if Satan could have taken away that from them, he wouldn't have tempted them. He would have done it. Come on, you've got to hear this. He would have done it. Satan cannot steal the blessings of God from your life. He just leads you into a position where you buy into a lie. Come on, I'm feeling this all over me. He just leads you into a place where you begin to believe a lie and you partake of that lie, thus being in disobedience to God. Remember the scripture, 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant. What does that mean? Don't be ignorant. He wants to take advantage. Be aware, be open-minded, be self-controlled. Be vigilant. Be aware. Why? Because your adversary, oh, he's not my friend. No, he's not. Your adversary, the devil, walked about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Notice the definition or the description we have of Satan is very accurate and very direct and that is this, he's a roaring lion. Why is he a roaring lion? Because he can't bite. Come on, you heard me right. He can't bite. You know why he can't bite? Because when Jesus died upon the cross, Jesus kicked him in the teeth and broke all his teeth. I'm telling you the truth right now. Jesus reigned victoriously when he died, when he rose again. He kicked Satan in the teeth. He took away power and dominion that Satan had over this world. You see, so now all he has is, all he has is the image of what he used to be. So now all he can do is, he can just come and... And all he can do is try to intimidate every one of you from what? He tries to strike fear into every one of our hearts, trying to make us react wrong. Oh, the devil's going to destroy me. The reality is this, if he could destroy you, he would have done so already. He can't. He can't do it. We see that in Job. God says, hey... You can only go so far, buddy. Come on, the devil's on a rope. God's got the other end. There's only so much he can do. So what you've got to realize is all Satan can do is make a whole lot of noise to try and steal away our attention, to make us believe a lie. But really, beneath it all, all it is is a noise. And there's nothing that he can back it up with. He just wants us to question God and his word. Huh. Maybe this tithing stuff is just not the truth. I wonder how many people have said that in the last month when I've been preaching. 
Maybe, though, you've had those thoughts come to you that Satan's plugged them in as you've started paying your tithes and all of a sudden Satan says, oh, man, that's not the truth. That's not the truth. Come on, roaring lion. Taking advantage. Don't be ignorant. But you see, he doesn't just stop there with thoughts, does he? Hello? (laughs) Satan just doesn't stop at the thoughts. He puts a little bit of action and situations into it. Come on, the refrigerator breaks down. The washing machine quits working. The AC goes off. Unexpected window mail comes in. And we all know what window mail is. It means bills, 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 bills. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I pay my tithes on Sunday, I go to work on Monday and the boss says, no more overtime this month. You see, he doesn't only try to make us think. He tries to put into action his deed. But here, you see, is the choice that you and I have tonight. Just like Eve had the choice. Just like we have the choice. Whose word are we going to believe? Are we going to believe the word of a liar? I mean, that's all he is. Are we going to believe the word of a liar? Are we going to believe the word of the Creator? Our Saviour? Our Friend? Listen to these words from Numbers chapter 23, verse 19 and 20. Numbers 23, 19 and 20, talking about the word of God. Balaam has been hired by King Balak to curse the Israelites, the people of God. And Balaam said to him, listen, if I come, all I can say is the truth. All I can say is what God, and and Balak said, come anyway. And look what happened when Balaam began to open his mouth to curse the children of Israel. He began to say these words, God is not a man that he should lie. Aren't you glad that God can't lie? (laughs) I said, aren't you glad that God can't lie? So that means if it's written in God's word and God spoke it, come on, it's never a lie, so it's the truth. So what do we need to do? We need to hold on to that truth. So all of a sudden, when Satan comes like a roaring lion telling us it's not the truth, we need to wake up and realize if it's not the truth, then hold on a second, if God spoke it, it is the truth. Come on, we don't need to be fooled. We don't need to be ignorant. We need to remind Satan that's the truth because God said it. What does it go on to say? Nor is he the son of man that he should repent. That means he never has to ask for forgiveness for anything he's done. Why? Because he's never done anything wrong. So God can't lie and he can't do anything wrong. What does he go on to say? Has he, God, not said it? And will he not do it? What have we acted upon in the last few weeks as we have been going through the blessed life? We've been acting upon the fact of building our lives upon the spoken word of God. The principles of God's word. And what does God say? If I've said it, guess what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Well, it's not happening. God didn't say when he was going to do it. God just said he's going to do it. You see, Satan wants us to eat our seed. Satan wants us to doubt God because, again, he can't take the blessings, but we can stop the blessings. Come on, you've got to be with me tonight. Come on, you've got to shout a little bit in this place. But he said... Will I, has he not said it, so will he not do it? What does he go on to say? Has he not spoken and will he not make it good? Come on, there may be some badness that's happening around right now, but what does God say? I've spoken it and guess what? I'm going to turn around what Satan has meant for evil. Come on, God says, I have the ability and the power to turn it around for good because you see, he has the power. Satan does not have the power. In verse 20, he goes on to say, and guess what? This is the command that God has given me. He's given me a commandment to bless. And I love what he says next. next. What God has blessed, the devil can't reverse it. 
Come on, what God has blessed, no man, no nothing can... The only one that can reverse the blessing of God is myself. Reversing the blessing of God upon my life. You see, we've got to make the choice to believe His words. We've got to have faith in God. In other words, when I talk about having faith in God, I want you to think about it this way. We've got to continue the course that we're on. We've got to keep trusting Him. We cannot veer off course. If I was to give some of you right now, and I got some for my birthday, and I loved it, I got some gift cards for Portobello's, one of the best restaurants in town. But you know what? That gift card is absolutely valueless until I do what? Until I use it. Until I go to the store. I can't go to McDonald's and cash in my Portobello's card. I've got to go to Portobello's to cash in that card. But here's the thing you've got to realize, and that is this. You've got to understand that we have the great ability, we have the great strength, but we've got to maintain the course. The blessings that God has given us, Satan wants to steal that away, but we can cash them in with God. We can maintain the course and keep believing. We know what God says, but will we choose, or what will we choose to do with what God says? We can hold it, but it's of no value till we put it to work. James 1 verse 22 tells us, Be ye doers of the word, and not... Don't put your gift card in your pocket. You know value. Don't just hear it, put it in your pocket. You've got to go to the place. You've got to order off the menu and get your bill and then cha-ching, here you go, free meal. Love it, baby. You see, that's what the Bible says. We can't just hear the word, but we've got to what? Be doers of the word. Notice what James says happens if we only hear and we don't do. We're deceiving who? But who's deceiving us? It's not the devil. We are the ones who are... Notice again, it's not the devil's power to do that in our lives. It's our right that we've surrendered and given over to him. We're the ones that we are deceiving ourselves. It doesn't say just do the word when everything is favourable. Come on. It doesn't say just do the word, but you know what it implies? Here's what it implies in this verse, and that is this. There needs to be a continuance in doing the word. When you make a step out and say, God, that's the principle that I'm going to live by, no matter the advantage that Satan wants to take, whether in thought or action in our lives, we've got to continue in the word and say, God, I'm going to continue to be a doer, no matter what Satan may throw at me, because I know what he's trying to do, and he's trying to rob away every piece of life from me. I've got to be committed to keep on doing what I have heard and what I know to be true. And if I don't, the Bible says I end up deceiving myself and that's as good as robbing myself. Will a man rob God? Hey, we can rob God. Say with me, despite it all, I choose to trust Him. That has to be our stance. Despite it all, I choose to trust Him. Remember, all Satan has to offer is no good It's just evil. It's got nothing good. It's just evil. Jesus told this parable that I believe further reiterates this point. It's from Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24 through 27. Jesus says these words, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat on that house and it did not fall white. Because it was founded on the rock. Not a rock, the rock. It's a life that is built upon biblical principles that will stand the storms and the tests of life. Hold on, I'm jumping ahead. Let's read on. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine 
come on, don't be like the foolish man, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And, can I put in paraphrase, and the same rain descended. And the Bible says this, that it rains on both the just and the unjust. And notice this, the same flood came and the same wind blew. It wasn't stronger, it wasn't a greater degree. It was the same trials and tribulations and circumstances that came against both dwellings. And it was the same wind that blew and beat on that house. But what happened? It fell. And I love the Bible. It doesn't just leave it there. Jesus goes on to say, and it didn't only fall. I mean, it was disastrous. Come on, it was a great fall. I mean, they had the media lined up. Everyone was taking pictures. I mean, it was something to behold. What are you trying to say here? Both heard. And both did to a certain extent. But only one chose to place his complete faith upon God. To build his life upon the rock, Christ Jesus. The rain, the winds, the storms, they are coming to beat upon us. You know what? I hate these people that stand up and say, give your life to Christ and you'll never have another problem. They're liars. It just means that you're not going to have problems. It never means that you're not going to have problems. It just means that you've got the problem solver in the boat with you. It just means no matter the storms, the trials, the tribulations, come on, I'm preaching better than you responded tonight. No matter what comes across your way, we're going to make victorious because he promised he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, that we're not going to go down. So the winds are going to come. The storms are going to come as we step out and begin to say, God, I'm putting you to the test and I'm believing you. We've got to realize that Satan wants to steal that away at the greatest, most prominent time. Because if he can take it right now while it's a seed, come on now, he can destroy your harvest. He can destroy your harvest. I want you to hear my heart tonight. The cry that I have for every one of you. The winds and the rains and the storms are coming. But we must remain to continue to build our lives upon Him. What does that mean? We need to continue to have faith. Not alter our course, but to continue to trust Him and stand upon the principles of His world. Even when it feels like life is crashing around us, hold on and don't give up. Because Satan can't take it from you. But you can take it from yourself. He's setting up to take advantage, but we can't be ignorant of his devices. I told a story once about a little boy in, in, in California and they were living in a, an earthquake kind of zone in an area and his parents told him, son, and in Sunday school class and he heard all the time, when you've got a problem, stand upon the word. Stand upon the word. You can stand upon the word. And one day on his way home from school, the bus dropped him off and his parents were on their way home. There was a great earthquake and his whole neighborhood was leveled. The parents frantically trying to get in, managed finally to get to the house and they looked and one little room was standing in that entire house and everything else had collapsed. Frantically, the parents ran. They knew their child was home. Screaming and hollering, they heard crying coming from this little room. And then when they went into that little room, in the middle of the room, here was the little boy with his Bible on the floor and he was standing on top of the Word of God. You know what? He maybe didn't quite understand what they meant about standing on the Word of God, but perhaps he understands it a little bit better than what we do. Come on, when the storms and the trials come, place your family on the principles of God's Word. Place your family where the storms and the trials, they may blow, but they're not going to bring your house down because God will sustain you and keep you in times of trouble. Say with me, keep trusting Him. 
The one who has never lied and the one who has never had to ask for forgiveness. I'm not a man that I should lie. Job said in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, I'm still going to trust him. Come on, what faith? He had lost everything, but yet he still knew never to quit trusting God. Even if we die, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said, let it be known, we're not going to bow. We're going to go out in a blazing glory. What? Standing upon the fact that God is God Almighty. He's the only one. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the one that can bring me through. I remember a number of years ago, after Kelly had lost her husband in a car accident, I remember calling her up just to see how she was doing and to pray with her. And I remember the faith and the strength that I heard from the other end of the phone. And there was something about that strength and that faith that just literally almost overcame me. Here's someone that lost her husband, was left widowed with three children. But yet, despite it all, never once did a word come out of her mouth that she was angry or mad at God. Yes, her heart was broken. Yes, something so special was taken from her. But she did not question God, but rather chose to realize that, God, you don't do anything that's not for divine purpose. Oh, Satan wanted to take advantage of that situation, just like he wants to take advantage of all our situations. But thank God, she wasn't ignorant to his devices. And she realized that God was going to take care of her. That strength and that faith that she had. Here was me calling to encourage, to pray for her. And I left, put down the phone, encouraged and strengthened myself. I was like, God, what's wrong? And I was the one. You see, those around Job told him, just curse God and die. Just put an end to it. It's great friends to have, huh? (laughs) Thanks, appreciate those friends. You know, here's the deal too. As you and I make a statement of faith that we're putting God first, we've got to watch the friends that we hang around with. Now, I'm not talking about isolation and that we're going to be all alone because I believe that there are people that God can put in our lives. But you've got to understand this. Many people won't understand the stand that you make. And because they won't understand, they're not going to be willing to go on with you. So if they're not going to be willing to go on with you, you've got a choice to make. Are you going to stay back with them or are you going to go on and trust God? I've lost many friends in my life. I had to say goodbye to them. Why? Because God's way was more important than their way. God's call upon my life was more important because I chose to believe Him instead of them. I pray for those people and any time I'm around them, I encourage them and say, what's up, how you doing? But you know what? I'm not waiting on them. Because God's got places for me to go. You've got to be around people that no matter what, know the importance of getting you to Jesus. Even if it means ripping a hole in a roof. Those who know God's Word and those who live by it too. Listen to me, despite it all, we must still trust Him. Despite it all, no matter what may come, and you may say, Pastor Philip, I don't know what's happened to you, but nothing's happened to me. I'm telling you, watch, because Satan looking for opportunities to take advantage. If he hasn't already, he's looking. Because we cannot be ignorant. But what have we got to do? We've got to maintain the course. Why? Because Satan can't stop the blessings. But he can cause us to stop the blessings. Despite it all, I've got to trust him. I've got to trust the one who's never failed a test. I've got to trust the one that is more than able. He's not just able. He's more than able. 
when our refrigerator breaks, our refrigerator went out last week and it's going to cost us about four or five hundred bucks to get fixed. That, that's, a, that's a smack in the chops when you've been preaching that God's going to take care and bless your life. But you know what? We're not going to quit doubt. We're not going to start doubting God. We're not going to believe the lie of the enemy. Oh, yeah, that stuff. Yeah, if that's the case, then why God? We're not going to believe that. We're just going to believe that, you know what? It's okay. It's a test and we're going to pass it because we're not going to alter the course. Come on, when the AC goes out, when we're taken to court, when our marriage is in trouble, when our finances are literally non-existent, we have got to continue and have the faith to continually believe and trust in God. Oh, Satan will come in and he'll question, can God really do that? Did God really say that? Is God really able? But you must remind yourself that all Satan has to offer is no good. Only evil. And let me close with this scripture from 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6 through 10. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, For God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always will have all sufficiency in all things, and that you will have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad and He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, Now may He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. God is able. That's what verse 8 says. God is able. He is able. He is able. Come on, when the aftermath comes, don't be swayed. Don't be swayed in the aftermath. Have faith. Maintain your course. Keep trusting God. Why? Because He's able. Would you stand to your feet? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.